everybody, and welcome back to the Sarah's Inn podcast. I'm your host, Julia, and community educator. Joining me here today is Jasmine, and we're going to talk about coordinated entry uh, and being a client with Sarah's Inn and the process of how this works. So Jasmine, please introduce yourself, your name, how many years you've been here at Sarah's Inn, your position, and what that entails. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am Jasmine. I've been here um, a little bit over two years. I am um, the community advocate um, at the moment for uh, Sarah's Inn, but I also uh, support the agency with coordinated entry for all of our clients as well as all clients interested in coordinated entry from the on the west um, suburban Cook County area. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. We're excited to get talking. So first of all, for our listeners who don't know, can you define what coordinated entry means? Okay, so coordinated entry is a community-wide system that um, standardizes and expedites the process by which people who are experiencing homelessness or who are at imminent risk of homelessness access shelter, housing, or homelessness Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time people don't know that's a word, don't know that's a word in the system. People use like the word rapid rehousing a lot, transitional housing or permanent housing, not knowing that they all fund fall under the umbrella of coordinated housing. Yes, so all three of those do fall under coordinated um, entry. So, uh, and, and, and typically because rapid rehousing is typically the most uh, popular of the three, you hear rapid rehousing more, but coordinated entry is more than just even those three. Coordinated entry actually uh, supports clients with a few things, um, such as preventative services, which um, I could talk about more to um, try to prevent clients from actually being homeless at all, to help them with um, rent or uh, first, last, and uh, security deposits. They also do um, emergency shelters, transitional housing, the uh, most popular rapid rehousing and um, permanent supportive housing, which is a little bit more rare, but they also support uh, clients uh, long term to stop that cycle of homelessness. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So let's just go step by step into the three different types of coordinated entry. Let's start with transitional housing. How would somebody go through the process of transitional housing? What does that mean? So the processes are the same, the which they are selected um, also are the same. Uh, so there's no different process for rapid rehousing, transitional housing, or permanent supportive housing. The requirements are different, but the process in which is on, um, they're all the same. I can tell you a little bit about which, what those three are, but the process doesn't change. Okay. Yeah. So um, for transitional housing... So transitional uh, housing provides like site-based scattered site housing with like intensive case management and supportive services. So what that means is <laughs> they're going to be um, in a unit uh, long term, but it's still sort of like a shelter because they're not going they're, they're not there with the intention to stay there permanently. It is long term and they understand that while while they're there, they're going to be getting intensive support for finding a job, uh, getting stable, building credit, learning about how to find housing, learning about how to build their credit and what things to look for in the hopes that at the end of their period in the transitional unit, they're in a position to go find a unit on their own with their own financial support. 
uh, that they have saved in that time because they've been working and finding a job in that time frame. Now, uh, rapid rehousing is a little different because um, they're not in a unit at all. The point is to help them find a unit um, that they will have in their name. They'll mm -hmm. be the leaseholders of it um, on their own. And what they will be doing is when they're matched with a agency that will be providing them providing them with support, they'll help them with locating um, housing in the community that they um that they're choosing. They'll help them negotiate with the landlord. They also support with security security deposits, moving costs. Um, they do have some uh very time limited rental assistance which every agency is different on how they provide that time limited support but there is some sort of time limited support with rental assistance and they do have home-based case management to make sure that they're promoting housing retention um so what that means is they're making sure that they're uh, staying in contact and supporting the family to make sure that once they um find the unit and they obtain the unit they can actually keep it and don't go right back into that cycle of homelessness. So they do that by talking to them about budgeting, saving, um, how to maximize their experience so they don't have to go back into that cycle. So permanent supportive housing um, is long-term community-based housing and supportive services that's uh, usually targeted for more chronically homeless people who have disabilities, mm -hmm. who's been homeless for at least um, a year and that um, and like I said, have a disability. Um, they try to enable this population to live as independently as possible in a permanent setting, but they do offer long, uh, long-term support with them and they help them with like ongoing stability to support them and, and keep their housing as well. So those are the main three. Yes. Uh, but of those three, the biggest one um, that most of our clients, our recipients of, is going to be rapid rehousing. Rapid uh, transit Transitional housing would be the second and permanent supportive housing because it's for chronically homeless people yeah. who's been homeless for 12 months with a disability. That's the, the, not the most popular one of the three. Yes. So when you say homeless, how are we defining that? Are we defining that as living on the streets, living in a car, or crashing at somebody else's place? Well, that depends. Mm -hmm. All of that is considered homelessness, but homelessness is um, broken into different categories. Um, for the sake of what we do, um, there are more than, there's actually four categories, but the ones that we work with our clients are usually categories one and categories four. Category four being more, uh, is the is a is the bigger one than actually category one. So category one is considered literally homelessness. And what literally homelessness is, and this is defined through HUD, mm -hmm. is uh individual or a family who lacks a fixed, regular, or adequate nighttime residence, meaning they which means they have no primary nighttime residence that is um that's a public or private place, uh not meant for a human um habiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or this person is or a person or their family, unfortunately, yeah. are living in a public or a private operated shelter that's designed to provide uh, very temporary living arrangements. Um, or they are um in an institution where they have only resided for ninety days or less. 
So that's typically uh, what category one is, mm-hmm. which is homeless. Yeah. Um, but we also have one, uh, another category, which is a category four, which is fleeing or attempting to flee domestic violence. And since we are a domestic violence agency, this is typically where most of our um, individuals who are facing homelessness are going through. And this is a person who is, or a family again, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's fleeing or attempting to flee uh, domestic violence. So they're experiencing um, the different sorts and types of domestic violence and they have a desire to leave that situation, but they uh, have no other residence to leave or go to because we know that with domestic violence, they usually are um, ostracized from their family and other people. So they have no other where to go. Um, or, or and they lack resources or support to obtain that permanent housing. So they don't have the income or they don't have anywhere to look for to uh, to move or to get away from that situation. So that would be considered um, category four. So they are uh, living with um, a friend or a family member um, very short term, but they can't stay there. Mm-hmm. It's not the intention that if this will be their new home, we would consider that uh, category four. Um, and just to make sure I'm uh, make sure I'm I'm being one hundred percent correct mm-hmm. with category four, with um, category four, especially with coordinated entry, um, for clients to be eligible for for coordinated entry, the experience of DV must be the direct cause of the homelessness or them attempting to flee, and the client must have to have a um, a le- a certain level of imminent risk of abuse or harm, which typically all of our clients have. Yeah. Very common experience, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual. Yes. Any kind of harm that comes to, towards them effective. or their family. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So let's say uh, a client comes here, does an intake with you, another one of our great advocates or counselors. Mm-hmm. Housing is a top priority on their to-do list. Mm-hmm. You put them on that housing list. What does this timeline look like? How long would somebody have to wait for a housing this uh, is thing like to open up. Most <laughs> question. Yeah. I am happy to answer it. So uh, let me go back and explain again. So yeah. how clients are selected for coordinated entry is they are matched um, based off of their preferences of where they want to go. And we only work for us. We only support clients who are willing to go into suburban Cook County. Mm-hmm. So North suburban Cook County, West suburban Cook County, or South suburban Cook County. Um, and they are uh, selected based off of their preference on where they want to go between those three. And they can pick all three, two or one, um, and their level of need. So that's the biggest one that clients um, always, I always reemphasize with our clients. They are not uh, selected or the selection process is not based upon when you apply. It's based off of where you're willing to move to and um, how severe your individual situation is. Based off of those two things, you're placed on the uh, coordinated entries waiting list. I don't know where they're at on the list, so uh, so I can never tell them, you know, you're next up. That's not information that's given to us, you know, for confidentiality as well, because it's not just uh, me putting clients on the list. There are uh, tons of agencies putting people on this compiled list, so... None of us have the information on where they are on the list, but based off of those two things, where you want to go, your severe, your how severe your case is, you're selected based off of that. And there's no time frame on that. Um, so 
patience is <laughs> a virtue. It's a virtue. And it's always, <laughs> um, and it's always uh, just ask for our clients. And when you're on that waiting list, just to just to have as much patience patience as possible. Like I understand that that might not be the most desired uh, answer, yeah. but that is the most realistic. We don't know um, how long they'll be on the waiting list. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, yeah, but that's just how the system works. So let's say you do get chosen. What happens uh, when they do get chosen for um, housing? Would you be the person to reach out and say, hey, mm -hmm. I have this, um, this opportunity for you. Would you like to take it? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so um, they are, so typically once a client is matched is what it's actually called. Once they're yeah. matched with a agency, um, and it could be, and it does. It, it just depends on where they were willing to go mm -hmm. and what was available at that time. So once they are matched with the agency, um, I will get um, contacted and saying if this client with this um, anonymous ID number, because that's one thing I forgot to mention. When clients uh, work with us and they go on this uh, waiting list, they go on anonymously because they're fleeing DV. So yeah. we don't put any type of identifying information like their name, their address, their date of birth. We don't put that information. So um, they're identified through a ID number, which only I have. So none of the other staff here have that information. So if they ever, um, they, no one would ever know what it is. So once they are matched, um, I'll get an email that says, uh, or some sort of communication that this person with this ID number um, is matched with this agency. Um, and then, you know, they'll tell me, you know, the requirements for a said program because it can be rapid rehousing. It can be transitional. Um, again, it can be permanent supportive housing, but that's very rare. Mm -hmm. uh, so they'll tell me the type of opportunity they have, um, the ID number of the person, and to let them know if this person is, one, still eligible for the program, and two, if they are interested. So from there, I'll reach out to that client, whoever is number that is. I'll look it up and I'll uh, contact them and let them know they have been, you know, offered a match um, in this designated area. Let's just say suburban north. Yeah. Suburban North Cook County um, is an agency that has um, selected you as a match. Um, are you uh, interested in moving forward? Um, and they can say yes or no. And that's well, and that's after I make sure that they are still eligible. So they're still, you know homeless, fleeing DV, whatever category they are, and if they are still uh, meet those criteria, I offer them the match. And if they accept, then we can move forward with the next process, which <laughs> will be letting the um, uh, letting the alliance know they did accept the match and then connecting with the uh, specific agency and getting the paperwork and all of that stuff mm -hmm. together. Um, but they also can decline. And if they decline the, um, they can say, oh, well, you know, when I first did the application, I wanted to go north, but now I don't want to go north anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I only want to be west of Burlington County. So, respectfully, I decline. Uh, they can decline. Yeah. And if they decline, they uh, that's okay. They go right back on the waiting list, and then their, perf excuse me, their preferences are updated. Okay. So, yeah. And have you had clients decline before just because they didn't yes. like the location? Yeah? Yes. Believe it or not, I have had plenty of clients that have declined um, uh, services um, for a specific, well, matches for a specific area. And when they decline, you know, we just kind of discuss, have a, uh, have a conversation of, you know, if, is there a reason why? So I know 
um, if we need to be updating information or not so we can make sure that we're being as fair as possible to everyone mm -hmm. that's on this waiting list. So if you don't want to be like in the north, you know, that's understandable. Yeah. Let me know so I can update it so someone who does want to be in the north can get that slot. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you have been working with the coordinated entry system for a while now, and yeah. there's obviously some flaws, some holes in the process and the whole system. Is there anything you think that they can improve upon uh, when working with um, clients who have gone through domestic violence? No, I think um, the Alliance does a really good um, job in understanding that there's a difference between individuals who are literally homeless and then having their own, ha having another section for uh, domestic violence survivors. They do really good at separating those two and providing support for, which is the umbrella of homelessness, but being able to identify that there are different causes and different reasons for homelessness and being able to actually pinpoint and support survivors. I think they do really good at that. I think even over the umbrella of homelessness is just um, a bigger umbrella of just access to housing, yeah. period, which is an issue not even for just homeless individuals or just um, individuals fleeing um, domestic violence, but for individuals just in general. Uh, in Illinois, housing, access to housing is just such a, a, a great need. Um, you take that and, and um, in addition with, you know, the, the cost of housing and just, it's just difficult all, all around. So it's nothing that they can do um, specifically themselves to make it better. It's just the issue of access to housing um, in Illinois, period. Period. Which is just an <laughs> issue in itself, a monster in itself. <laughs> I definitely agree with it. It's a societal issue that yeah. needs to, there's so many roots to the yeah. problem that there's so many to be solved. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and I appreciate oh, and you answering all of our questions. Coordinated entry is a very complicated, complex kind of topic. And so hopefully someone listens to this podcast and wants to reach out and start the process. And uh, if this episode resonates with you or you'd like to seek our services, please call our 24-hour crisis line at 708-386-4225 to reach out to schedule an intake with us. Thank you so much for listening and Thank have you. a great day. Bye. Hi everybody, I would like to wrap up this episode by highlighting an event that Sarah Zinn is hosting. Together We Inspire is held on April 26 at 8 a.m. at the Oak Park Country Club. Sarah Zinn Together We Inspire Educational Breakfast connects experts with corporate, business, and civic leaders, as well as community members on timely social issues to drive progress in our communities and workplace. This year's event will provide an inspirational and thought-provoking conversation around healthy manhood and how we can invite and empower men and boys to take action to prevent gender-based violence from our featured speaker, Ricky Houston. As a part of his work with A Call to Men, Ricky engages professionals and community members in our collective work towards a society where men and boys are able to be loving and respectful and women and girls are valued and safe. Michelle Weldon will then lead a dynamic panel discussion with Ricky and local leaders in our community. Individual tickets are $55 a person and sponsorship opportunities are available online. Please check out sarahzin.org for more information.